0: Welcome to the Wondering Toward Wisdom Podcast, a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Please check out tacticalfaith.com for blogs, our other podcast, TF Radio, which includes interviews with some great folks in the world of apologetics and Christian thought on issues ranging from ministry to arguments for Christianity to, cultures, to cultural issues like intersectionality. Uh, in today's podcast, Joel and I discuss gluttony, all these seven deadly sins, are misperceptions, and bad relationships with various things in the world from food, to others, and even to ourselves. Today we talk about the food part, and we thought we'd make this one particularly long just to encourage any of you who might be gluttons for punishment. Gluttony is not merely a matter of eating too much. In fact, that's not really what it is at all. Desiring only choice food or choosing not to eat, those can be forms of gluttony as well. So come feast on the ideas, or if it is too long, make your way hastily through it by playing it fast. And I'll stop with the puns and let you get to it. Enjoy. Welcome back to Wondering Toward Wisdom. Uh, today we are going to talk about gluttony. And to get us started, Joel, uh, what is gluttony?
1: Gluttony is about how we relate to food. It's it's where we we put our desire for food, um, and we put that desire focused on pleasure or um, something other than the fact that we need nourishment to survive. Um, now, now this is actually part of what makes gluttony so tricky, is because, you know, when last week when we talked about avarice, we were talking about things, most of which we don't actually need, but there doesn't make them bad things, but, but they're, they're our relation to objects. But this one is our relation to food, and we can't just say, I'm going to stop eating food. I mean, we can, but that's going to last about a month and then we're gone. Um, and so this is going to be trickier because we have to eat food to survive. We have to drink fluids to survive. But the way we relate to those, to, to food, to fluids, to, to, to those things um, can be done in, in ways that are productive and in ways that um, detract us, uh, t- detract from, from us moving toward the good.
0: Um, right. So, yeah. So, well, one of the interesting things, and this is sort of maybe somewhat prefatory, but we've talked about pride, which largely has to do with your relation to yourself or the way that you perceive yourself, particularly mm-hmm. vainglory. Envy, which is the way that you relate to other people mm-hmm. who you feel like your peers with, and they may have more, uh, s- Spiritual apathy or or acedia, sloth, uh, which relates to which is how we relate to the the good that God has put within us or has set forward for us. Uh, anger, wrath that that's how we relate to everybody and everything. <laughs> and and avarice is how we relate to objects. Now gluttony is how we relate to food. So all the sins over and over again. All, all the sins have to do with an improper sort of perception and relationship to some particular element of the world. Uh So that's one of the cool things about seven deadly sins. I mean, besides the fact that they're fun, the the uh, is is what they do. What they're they're noting is is improper perceptions and or relationships to all the different kinds of things that we come into contact with in the world, from necessities to things that aren't necessary, and so on and so forth. So improper relationship to food. Food is necessary for survival. Is gluttony merely eating too much? Is it desiring too much food, eating too much, or is it more complicated than this?
1: So it's, it's more complicated.
0: I mean, yes, eating
1: too much is a form of gluttony, but gluttony isn't, you know, when I define gluttony, it wasn't just about eating too much. It was about how do we relate to food? How do we perceive food? How do we understand what the role food plays in our life? And, um, one thing I want to get on the, on the table, no pun intended, um, Pretty, you know, upfront is food. While it's necessary for us to survive, it's also a way that we relate to other people. Um, you know, the, you know, the it, it's very important to note that you know, the Last Supper, you know, is, it, you know, Jesus chose. You know, we we talk about the Last Supper. We talk about the the you know Communion meal. The we talk about you know when we celebrate Communion, we we take. You know, food and drink. It's it's not. It's it's an important way for us to um, come together with people. And so, when we talk about um, gluttony, it can also be about putting food above people. And as we talk about some different forms of gluttony, that's going to come through as well. I think
0: to sit down and eat with someone is is a part of. I mean, if you go to almost any society, even even the United States, even though we don't, it's not as pronounced, if, when people prepare food for you, you sit down and eat it, and to not do so is to insult them and to almost remove yourself from fellowship with them. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when they're in that uh, village where everyone's basically starving to death, and they, they make them this disgusting sort of food that the, that the woman wouldn't eat and and indiana jones surgeon says this is more food than they eat in a week you eat this yeah um, and it's not that she should give it back to them so that they can eat it it's you eat this because you will be it'll be a tremendous insult if you don't right uh, this is them extending a hand of fellowship to you and this this would be like slapping them in the face and so food is con- very closely connected to our relationship with other people so i like that the the idea that gluttony is in many ways uh, raising food up over the fellowship that we can have with others. Yeah. All right. So, so there, so you mentioned Aquinas, the various ways that we, that gluttony manifests, right?
1: No, I, I, I hadn't yet. You haven't? Oh, (laughs) I
0: I can read minds, um,
1: or read our notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. well whatever. Uh, well, why don't we get into that? Let's get into how, how it manifests. So,
1: so, so. When we talk about Aquinas, I, I, I should have said this long before we got to, you know, the, the sixth um, uh, deadly sin, but a lot of what, when we refer to Aquinas, what we're talking about comes from a, a, a book he wrote called On Evil, and he, he talks about each of these seven deadly sins, and um, and when it comes to gluttony, in order to help us understand um the pick get a pick better picture of what gluttony is that it's not just overeating. He actually lays out five different ways that we can be gluttonous in our consumption of food and, and, and we can put and drink as well. Um, and so um, these are not exhaustive. At least I don't think they're exhaustive, but they give us, you know, five things to look for and, and hopefully to, to help expand our view of gluttony past just eating too much. So the the first one I want to talk about is eating fastidiously. Being fastidious in the way you eat and you're probably like that sounds like a complicated word. It sounds like a fancy word, which is actually a good way to think of it because being fastidious is excessively de- desiring foods that are over delicately prepared. That that it's the the that you want food to be prepared a certain way. It's not necessarily the specific food that you're particular about, but needing it, but but in the way that it's prepared. So, you know, the, the people who, um, I want to be careful because, you know, we can, there's some discussion as to what it does to the food, but people who refuse to use microwaves, um, you know, and if they found out something was microwaved, they might not be too happy about it. Um, but it's the the people who eat fastidiously and uh, as a form of gluttony, they are going to be most concerned about how was this food prepared? Some people are very particular about their coffee. I'm one of those people. Travis is one of those people. (laughs) Um, We can thank our good friend, Brett Jameson shout out to uh, dichotomy coffee and apex coffee roasters.
0: (laughs) But anyway, um, he let us down this path of evil yes. as his want. But um, w- w- one of the things that,
1: you know, he, he, uh, instructed us is, is the, is that, you know, it can be dangerous if you grind your coffee beans with an electric grinder, because then you can actually start to burn them instead of, you know, just, just, uh, grinding them. And, uh, so I've got a hand grinder that I still use and, um, man, my arm gets tired. <laughs> but right. uh, The, the idea is you're so concerned about how is this prepared that you lose sight of, of what is actually going on that. And that is that you're consuming nutrients that your body needs. Um, and, and possibly being in fellowship with other people. And so, um, Fastidious is about the preparation. If you're more concerned about the preparation than you are about the food itself or about the people you're with, that's problematic.
0: To make a good brisket takes some work, takes uh-huh. some time. Uh-huh. Uh, would that fall into fastidious, or I mean, now, so- or, or would it be something like if I will only eat brisket that has that I've been bought that has been bought at a top-notch butcher and it's you know. Uh, or I guess what I'm trying to get at is how much of this has to do with preparation, how much it has to do with taste.
1: So the, the concern that I think Aquinas is getting is, is wanting to direct our attention to when he's talking about fastidiousness is that um where are we putting our focus? Are we putting our focus more on, the way that something is prepared or are we putting our focus more on the goodness of of being able to partake of food possibly with other people um and so it's not that it's wrong to want things that are prepared well or that are prepared a certain way um the problem it becomes when you have an excessive desire for it so that such that um you know as As parents, you know, it it gets five o'clock and you need to start, you know, your kids need to eat because they need to get to bed. And, you know, you're like, well, I could throw the frozen pizza in the oven or I could, you know, whip up some some dough, you know, homemade dough and make a homemade pizza. And, you know, if your concern is like, I want I want foods to be prepared the right way. And so I'm not going to make the frozen pizza when in, in this one situation where my kids need to eat. And, I, and this is, this is the option I have. Um, that's problematic. Um, okay. you know, if, if you're, if you're willing to go hungry instead of eating that, then, well, there may be some other, uh, gluttonous issues involved than fastidious, yeah. but, um, but the, when, when it becomes more important than, than the essential nature of food or the role of community in our lives, um, you know, that, that's where it becomes problematic.
0: Okay. Well, so there's something, I, I think we need to wait till we get near the end, but there's something I want to, maybe not press you on, but ask you about, and that's this idea, because I think I think we have a tendency to say that, that food is about, or we have a tendency to feel like what you should do, do is eat the amount of healthy food that is required to survive and no more. Um, anything beyond that's gluttony. But I think we're going to get to that later. Well, uh, well, I I mean, there
1: I can. There are certain communities in which that may actually be the case. If a community, you know, is very limited on their food resources, and um, they have lots of healthy options, but that's it. Or or if the community has made a commitment to eat in a very simplistic way, you know, as as a part of a spiritual discipline of some sort, then 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 yes it, it you know that is what they need to do
0: well maybe maybe also if i'm living in a community and i have a and i have access to food uh i can i can uh, i don't know my eating more than is necessary will cause others to go without the amount that is necessary that could right. be considered so there's a relative element to it
1: yeah and okay. and so but it's not about you know that it's wrong to enjoy food. That's far from the case. I mean, I think Jesus shows us that it's not wrong to enjoy, you know, you know, food, food and drink. Um, he was
0: he was called a drunk and a glutton.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, and I think it's because of the way he enjoyed the food and being with with people, right? Which well, we can get into more in a little bit. Yeah but let's move on to the next one. Now, the next one, this is going to sound more familiar. This is going to feel more familiar when you, you know, we naturally think of gluttony, but it's eating ravenously where you, you just want to eat food. Like you come, you come to the table and you're like, I'm going to eat whatever is put in front of me. Cause I'm so hungry. And you know, you're just like, you're just chomping at the bit to, to, to eat. Um, I, you know when when you think of when I think of ravenous eating, you know one of the examples that pops in my head is you know Jacob and Esau when Esau comes in and mm-hmm. Jacob's made the food and Esau's just ready to eat and he's he's starving and he says he's going to die if he doesn't eat which you know that's that's not the case but you know to where he he gives up his birthright you know because he the food eating food right then was so important that he couldn't, uh, or he just wanted to eat so badly that he didn't care about anything else.
0: Right. So this is, this is not, it's not a sin to be hungry when you come to the table. No. Right. It's so so what precisely, I guess, because when I I say vehement desiring the consumption of food, that makes me think I'm mm -hmm. hungry so,
1: so there, there there's an element of, of not just being hungry but
0: being hungry and
1: wanting the food so bad so badly that nothing else matters or to where you lose sight of the proper value of other things like what made it, what made it wrong for Esau wasn't that he was hungry but that he was so focused on his hunger and wanting to fulfill his hunger that he was going to do whatever it took to fulfill that hunger, even giving up his birthright
0: right okay when, that's an excellent when, when, example.
1: when he wasn't it's not that he couldn't have stopped and taken and you know made food for himself kind of thing um it was that he was so focused on his hunger that he wasn't able that he he and he and that he he wasn't willing to um that he was nor that he was willing to to give up his birthright for in order to fulfill it
0: yeah i'm thinking about our after church we we have like Food and like a little bit of food and, you know, time for fellowship and so on and so forth uh, uh, in our fellowship area. And uh, I'm thinking of my kids sometimes and some of the other kids that, uh, you know, because people bring random food and it's sort of hit or miss. Sometimes there's great stuff down there. Sometimes there's, yeah. But the kids tend to, as soon as the service is over, they squeeze past everybody to run down there to get first dibs on the best stuff. And sometimes they'll get a whole bunch. And, I, you know, I've had to have conversations with my kids about you don't take all the cookies, right? <laughs> and, you know, you, you have to le- – you've got to realize there's people behind you who want some of this stuff too. And that, that the ravenousness, the pursuit of it to the point where they just grab all of it up and the people behind, you know, all they got is the leftover stuff that nobody else wants uh, is – anyway, that's like Jacob. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay, so uh, all which, right, which,
1: which, which that actually ta- you know dovetails nicely into the 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 third one that Aquinas gives, and that's uh, eating excessively. Um, it's when you now now this is this is what we think of. This is what we really think of when we think of gluttony. It's it's that eating beyond the 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 proper amount of food, the the food that you need. Um, or not what I, I want to be careful because we're going to talk about um that there are times when feasting is a good thing and so uh but it it's when you eat till you're miserable and um and and and, it, and often you know by yourself so you know you you know pizza buffets are dangerous things um right. you know because when when there are all those different kinds of pizza and they all look like they're you know good pizzas, if you're like me, your inclination is to want to try the different ones, and uh, they don't make them small pieces on pizza buffets, at least on not enough of them. Um, so you know you're you're probably thinking, well, you could do this or that. I'm like that's beside the point. You know, I I like pizza. Um, right. <laughs> the, as you can tell, this is this is hitting home. Um, but the, 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 the problem is there is such a thing as too much of a good thing in this sense. Um, food is a good thing, but you can eat too much to where it starts to be detrimental to you and your health and, um, and your relationships even. And so, you know, this, this here, you know, eating excessively is, um, probably the most obvious way, uh, form of gluttony. Cause that's what we usually think of when we think of gluttony. All
0: right. I'm thinking of my own, ex- like there's, I've had this tendency in my life and I realize it's been sort of unconscious, um, where I'll, <clears throat> when I see something like a buffet or whatever, I feel like I need to I almost feel a drive. Like I need to keep eating. I need to keep trying everything because otherwise I'm going to miss out on something. Ah, yes. You know what I mean? I And I don't know how to... I realized I had this sort of desperation, this sort of desperation to eat a bunch of the food. And then I thought, I, you know, then I wake up and I go, I don't have to. And I know that sounds like something I probably should have figured out when I was about five or six years old. But it's... I, and I don't know, I, probably, I should blame my parents or something. But uh, <laughs> there's something... there's. There's something, I don't know what it is, but that seems like that would fit in here somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think the excessive, well, so one thing that I've been thinking about more, uh, you know, in preparing for this is the difference between uh, a buffet and a potluck and a big family holiday meal. Okay. Um there seems to be, well, I'm going to hold, hold that thought for a moment for a few moments at least. Um, But I want to, I want to say that there are times when eating. Till you're stuffed. Is appropriate. And it's not necessary, but it's not inappropriate either. Um, But the problem is we tend to treat the buffet like it's a potluck, or the potluck like it's a family meal, a family holiday meal, and um, time and place is, is is important when it comes to how we eat as well, how we approach food. But we'll talk about that more when we get right. to kind of how to how to deal with gluttony. So we've talked about fastidious talked about ravenous we've talked about excessive now we're going to talk about the fourth one which is eating sumptuously and that is taking excessive pleasure in the eating of expensive and choice food so this is more focused on the food rather than on the way it's prepared so there there are some people who need to eat gluten-free as a matter of health not Mm -hmm. when they eat gluten that is actually destructive to their body i'm not talking about these people when i talk when i'm when i'm with what i'm about to say but there are some people who are like i eat gluten-free because it's healthier and they can eat gluten and their body handles it fine but if it's not gluten-free then they're not going to eat it it has nothing to do with the preparation of the food it has to do with the food itself They, they they make a point to avoid certain foods um, because of the food itself rather than the way it's prepared or, or any other reason or for okay. as a matter of health or as a matter of, of actual health where they, it, it is detrimental to their health to to eat that thing.
0: Yeah, this, this is a little bit tricky. I mean I, I think we all have friends who will not buy food from certain stores and not eat food from certain restaurants and so on and so forth. Uh, I pride myself on eating any old garbage that you put in front of me. But uh, uh, but there's uh, I guess it's it's hard it's hard to really uh, um, we were talking about this uh, before the podcast but it's hard to sort of uh, navigate between sumptuousness and just being healthy so if I have if I'm if I have enough money shouldn't I buy only organic from you know the top like I'm not gonna buy from Some chain, whatever, some cheap chain store. uh, When I buy my food, I'm going to buy from only the top, only organic, only this, only that, because I don't want pesticides. I don't want all this other stuff that's going to hurt my family. If I really care about my kids, shouldn't I be spending at least $300 a week on groceries from these expensive stores that give only the perfect organic kind of food? Is that sumptuous? Is that loving my children? Yeah, you know, said like this relates to a whole bunch of other issues right. too, right? Like, if I love my children, I'll send them to private Christian school, right? Maybe even if it sinks me, <laughs> or whatever. Even if that money could be given to, I could use that money to help other people or whatever, right? But there's this. So uh, I know, and and when I when I have an, it have had interactions with people who will not eat from, like, say, let's say just a fast food. It's not that they're like. I'm. I won't eat from there because I only like super expensive and choice foods. It's because that stuff's not good for you.
1: Right. So the the on that issue in particular, it's more a matter of. So think of it this way: you you get together to do lunch with someone, and you know that person, um, or you might you have a hunch that maybe that person isn't you know, incredibly well off financially. Um, and so you choose, instead of taking that into consideration, you choose to eat somewhere that's maybe in your budget, but may not be in theirs. And when you realize that it's not in their budget, you don't care because you won't lower yourself, but nor will you help him, help that person out in paying for the meal that is going to be outside of their budget. That, If it, you know, if you're willing to say, Hey, I know like lunch is on me, you know, and then you pick where lunch is, that's great. You know, that, that's not necessarily being some, you know, sumptuous. The problem is when it's disruptive to your budget, when it's disruptive to, um, your relationships, that's where it becomes problematic. Um, so, you know, if, If you have the money to uh, eat like that, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to to buy the organic and all that kind of, all those, you know, quote unquote, better foods. Um, But I would also challenge you to think about how could you, like, are you keeping, are you doing this for yourself or are you going to also invite other people to share that food with you? Um, You know, the 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 idea of enjoying expensive and choice food seems to to play towards a selfish desire um probably the best example of the enjoyment of of expensive food of choice food of particular food that's done as a celebration with other people is in the movie babette's feast if you've not seen that movie it's a foreign language film i think it's the only foreign language film i've actually really enjoyed as i watched it um and i didn't feel like i had to say i enjoy it enjoyed it because it's you know the, the artsy thing <laughs> to say um but spoiler i mean the movie's almost 40 years old so i don't feel like i'm spoiling too much yeah but um this this lady who is a servant to this these two sisters um she Finds out she wins a lottery. Uh, she was in, in uh, this is, I believe, in Dana, in Denmark, uh, but she was from France and um, she um, was still participating in the lottery with some friends. She was in Denmark, you know, basically, as a servant to these sisters. Uh, she wins the lottery and she says what she wants to do is prepare a feast. And um, she makes this exquisite feast. And most of the people don't have any understanding of what's going on and how wonderful this food is. But there's this this um, gentleman in the mil- military who's just like raving about how wonderful everything is because he he realizes how special this is. And, um, you know, spoiler, here's the big spoiler. They find out, you know, this whole time the, the sisters think she's getting ready to leave them come to find out she's not leaving them because she spent her entire winnings, which was like, you know, $20,000 or whatever, preparing this meal for them. And, you know, that is, and, and because she, she recognized how good that food is, the expensive and choice food is good. But Mm -hmm. when you're consuming it for yourself, and you're not willing to share with others, I think you're moving towards the sumptuousness because, you know, food is good for you, but we also have to remember that we are meant to be in community with other people and beyond just our families. And this is, it's a challenge. It's, it's a real challenge in, in, in America um, to think beyond your family. Um, uh, the, there was actually a, A really interesting uh, piece by I think it was David Brooks uh, recently about the nuclear family and how that's kind of proven to not be as fruitful of an idea as we, you know, the focus on the nuclear family has not been as fruitful as as we hoped it would be because we've lost sight of of the broader community. Um, And this this is what I think the the dangerous sumptuousness is. It's not wrong to enjoy fancy food, you know, good food, special food. The danger becomes when, when, when we are doing that instead of uh, sharing that with other people. Um, you know, we, you know, we we had some friends in one of our many stops that that they loved to make, uh, you know, make food that was really top notch. In fact, they bought a little torch so they could do creme brulee, and. But they never did these things by themselves. They were always having people over when they did these things. That seems to be the picture of how we should enjoy these these special foods rather than then I gotta take care of my family. you know there's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. but, but you, you when you focus on just your family, you can miss on your miss out on your community around you as well.
0: Right, that's that's interesting. There's some, I guess, there's a lot of a lot of navigating that needs to take place here because we live in a society where we are being told to fear just about every single kind of thing that's not super expensive, and so you know you look at those who are in poverty or just kind of like low income, and uh, I mean I my wife and I we live we live very cheaply. Um, I remember I went to. Frugally, right? We're cheap, is what we are. We're Scrooges uh, without all the money. But anyway, we we would. Uh, so I went to this wedding recently, and um, we went to this top-notch. Like we were ta- we were treated like like I was a part of the wedding. We were treated like I mean, we were treated. Uh, and I had you know filet mignon at this one of the most expensive steakhouses in the area, and uh, and that was just you know part of the part of what was covered, and I felt guilty for Now, I enjoyed it, but I actually felt like I needed to repent of something. I may be going too far the other way, where I'm like, if you're not eating off the dollar menu, you're going to go to hell. Um, (laughs) So uh, maybe I'm a little bit too far the other way.
1: I mean, so much of this is a balance. You know, we've talked about it being, you know, a lot of – a lot of the virtue and vice language is, is on a spectrum it's not um you know yes or no kind of things right. and and one thing that as we strive toward the good that we have to remember is that we're all in different places and so for some people avoiding gluttony may be about cutting back on the expensive things or or cutting back on um on certain types of foods and for others it may be about enjoying the goodness of food um of certain foods and it's it really is going to depend on where you're at on on the spectrum and and, and um and how you're thinking about food um I, I, I speaking for myself it's for me and the goodness of food it's going to be about uh, cutting back probably um but <laughs> But the, I hear you. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's we we have to keep food in its proper place. And yes, food gives us nutritional value. It it, it gives us what we need to to survive and thrive. Um, and it's also to be enjoyed, especially in community. And so we we have to balance all of these things with the situation we find ourselves in. Um, and and do the best we can um while while keep you know trying to focus on on these bigger things rather than just um my pleasure or my protection or my hunger or whatever um but we need to have a bigger picture of of the good and the role that food plays in service of the good um more than anything else so we're, right. we're, 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 we're going pretty long and I, there's still a few more things that I think we need to, to say. Um, let me just get the fifth one on uh fifth, uh, type of form of gluttony that Aquinas gives and that's eating hastily. That's, that's another way that we often think about it. When we think about the gluttonous person, the person who sits down and they clear their, you know, they eat their plate before everyone's done putting food on their plate. Um, my
0: kids after church they run down. Yeah.
1: I I think it's most kids and, and it seems also like the uh, more kids in your family, the more likely you are to eat hastily because you want to make sure you get your food.
0: Um, Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that, that, that undermines your capacity to enjoy it. I've experienced this a lot too, where I'm just cramming stuff in my mouth and I realize I'm not actually enjoying my food. I mean, I am enjoying it sort of, but it's like, I'm not actually enjoying what's there. I'm just throwing it into my face, and uh, uh yeah, that kind of yeah. undermines that undermines uh, fellowship, enjoyment of the food, gra- gratitude as we will get to, and so forth. Okay,
1: so uh, all of these together, you know, and you know, point us or challenge us. I, at least I hope they challenge us to think about how how do we relate to food. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of myself, you know, I mentioned I'm a coffee snob and, um, you know, I'll, I'll be at someone's house who has graciously made us, you know, a meal and had us over and, you know, they, we get to the end of the meal and they're like, would you like some coffee? And, you know, uh, more often, most of the time when someone asks that question, they, an appropriate question to ask in response is is it decaf or or not right. <laughs> um, my inclination is usually to ask well what kind of coffee and i'm not concerned with with what kind of flavor it is i'm like like what quality of coffee is it because if it's not a certain level i don't really want to drink it you know my 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 wife drinks uh, you know Folger's coffee, and she enjoys it, and God bless her. And <laughs> I, I love her, so I make her the coffee. But there's a part of me that is just like I don't, I, I don't enjoy that. I, and so, um, you know, there was a time when I would just decline coffee out of I don't want to ask the question of what kind is it. But there's also an element of that I've been trying to challenge myself more towards lately is saying yes and maybe not drinking all of it or maybe putting a little extra cream or sugar in it but it it it, it's you know it's receiving food as a gift and expressing and doing things out out of gratitude um is good for us is good for our souls is good for our our well-being is good for our flourishing um and so we we need to to work with that as we approach food. I'm, i I keep coming, you know, saying this again and again, because I think we, we have this relationship with food that it's either all about making us healthy or all about, you know, filling our stomachs or all about pleasure. And it's like, we can't reduce it to any of those three. It needs to be a healthy mix of the three. Um, and, and, and also doing that in community. Um, so in for the sake of time let, let's quickly talk about ways that we can respond to to gluttony that that can help us to to push back against the gluttonous desires within ourselves right. um you know i think a lot of gluttony has to do with a lack of gratitude um, being grateful for for what what we have what we what we can afford what we can 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 enjoy um so the, there are two ways for us and I think they're both important for us to really combat against gluttony. One, which probably isn't surprising, is fasting. Uh, fasting makes us, not ravenous, hopefully, but m- helps us to appreciate food when we do get to enjoy it. Um, when this podcast goes up, uh, it's going to be Lent for those of you, who, or for those of us who follow the church calendar. And and in Lent, a lot of people focus on what, what are you giving up? And it's not because what we're like, in fact, you're supposed to give up things that are good so that you can appreciate them when you can, when you receive them back, when you take, you know, partake of them again. And, and fasting works that same way. It's not that food is bad. And so we don't eat it, but we take a break from food because sometimes when we're in the midst of something, we lose sight of how good it is and why it's good that by taking a break from it, it allows us to appreciate it with new eyes, why it's good. And also can remove some of the mastery that that thing has over us by taking a break from it.
0: Yeah. We, I think if you, if you have never fasted, you really need to give it a shot. Uh, especially if you can go more than a day. I mean, any amount, any amount of time, even like a 12 or 16, even like a 16 hour fast can make a difference. But, Uh, I remember, you know, I've done, I've done a couple longer fasts and it was really interesting when you're, when you haven't eaten for several days and you, and you eat anything, anything that's remotely, and you, by the way, you desire healthy foods after you, if you haven't eaten for a few days, you don't desire junk food. You desire something, you, you almost automatically desire healthy foods. Even if you do intermittent fasting, like a lot of people are starting to do now, where you, you just go, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day without eating every single day. It makes you desire healthier foods. Uh, but what you realize is foods that you ignored or just kind of ran th- like a salad because you ate it because you had to, and then you got to, got to the real food when you taste it after having fasted for a while, you're like, this is delicious. Like you, you begin to, you realize that you fall in love with, with, with food in sort of a healthy way again, but it also temper, oddly enough, it tempers your appetite. So you're not so obsessed with it. Right. Cause you- you, you, you're more comfortable being hungry. You're more, you know, um, uh, or so you're not ravenous and you're not hasty and so on and so forth. You, you actually enjoy it a little bit more, but that's, uh, I'm sure there's people who have more experience with not being those things than me. So, <laughs> so, so on one
1: hand we have fasting on the other hand, and this is the tricky one. I want to say feasting is a way that we can, uh, combat against gluttony. Now this gets back to this buffet versus potluck versus family holiday meal thing that I was getting at earlier. And we, we tend to, to put all them together as in there's a bunch of food in front of me, a bunch of different food in front of me. I can eat, you know, I need to eat whatever I want and, and do that. And that's not the case. I think feasting let's get clear on, on what, what I'm meaning by feasting. Feasting isn't me going to the pizza buffet and enjoying it. Feasting isn't, um, you know, it isn't about uh, the food as much as it's about the company you're with and, and the attitude of uh, having an attitude of gratitude towards the food. (laughs) And so I realized I was going there and I couldn't stop. Oh
0: man, Uh, it hurt me.
1: (laughs) But but the, the, the sense is that this is a celebration and we are grateful for both having something to celebrate and the food with which we're celebrating. And so a potluck is a community coming together and sharing its resources. And so eating at a potluck, it's appropriate to probably eat a lot of different things, but maybe not eat a lot. Um, you know, because you're in community, there's only so much of things you need to share, but if you're like my family, when you have a big family holiday meal, the question isn't, are there going to be leftovers? It's how many weeks of leftovers will there be?
0: (laughs) we're very much the same.
1: (laughs) And, and so, um, but there's an element in which when you partake of that food, and part, you know, the people who pre- who prepared the food did it as an act of love and as an act of service for those that would, would be eating the food. And um, they did it, and, you know, and, and because we're celebrating, there's a way to eat, you know, to, to, I don't want to say to excess, because I think that you can fill yourself very full and it not be excessive because of the celebration involved and there's, yeah. And there's,
0: there's almost like a mystical element to food, right? I mean, mystical might be a tricky word and I don't, you know, we could get into talking about Eucharist and transubstantiation, whatever, but there's an element about eating together. That is more than simply putting food in your mouth around other people. Right. Right. There's, there's something, there's something truly meaningful about this simple most basic act of human existence of putting food into your stomach with other people that is that is more reflective that brings out fellowship more and we this is obvious if you you know if whenever you get together with friends one of the things you want to do is eat amen because it's an element of fellowship yes it it, it for some reason it, it it encourages and drives and bolsters fellowship and so, eating—you shouldn't simply. I mean, having the—I—I—I I, want to say the phrase, but having a <laughs> being <an grateful>. attitude, <laughs> having a thankful attitude is uh, is is tremendously important for a lot. I don't know, lots of lots of different reasons. Uh, but with with regard to food, it's not about not eating. It's not about simply dieting and going, you know, keto all the time or whatever you're doing. There's a point where, yeah, again, the food can become either you're obsessed and you just want to eat it or you're, or you're obsessed with, with it being too healthy or, or you're, you know, I'm on a diet now. So, so I, I can't participate in this family feast. There's just a certain element where whenever you do that, you can feel yourself being pulled away from, from the loving fellowship that is, that is taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that can come in, in, you know, that can come because you're eating in such a way that's destructive to your body. Uh, there's all different kinds of ways that this manifests. And so, and I think the idea of gratitude is central to, to learn how to be appropriately thankful for things, for the food, uh, and the fellowship that you're in. I think that's good. Amen. Well, th- there's more
1: we could say about this. And um, we could start talking about types of food, types of drink. We could talk about all kinds of different things. But the key that we want to drive home is food is something you need, but it also should be received with gratitude uh, and in community. And um, with those focuses, it's diffi- if, if your focus is on being grateful and doing it in community, and not eating things that are killing that'll kill you because you're allergic to them. Um, I think it's hard to go wrong if, if,
0: well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we're, and this, maybe this, I don't know if this has become clear throughout this, but if if you've been listening to this whole thing, we're not, we're not setting up a line where when you cross this, you've now, you've now entered into sin. And if you stay behind it, you're not sinning. Right. I, I used to get this question all the time. Like, uh, how far? Basically, what the students kept asking me was, "How far can we go before we're before we're sinning?" And I'm like, that, "What a stupid! It's not. There's no such thing as that's a stupid question, because that that question manifests an an attitude that I'm trying to get away with as much as I can. But the issue the issue with the seven deadly sins is they're always they're misperceptions of the world, and so our we're not trying to say. Here's how much you're allowed to eat before you become a glutton, or whatever. Or this is how fastidious you can be, or how hastily you can eat. If you don't, if you don't chew 15 to 20 times, you're a glutton or whatever. We're not, we're not trying to set some sort of rule. What we're saying is, if you're, is that your perception is off because you can do everything right. You can be super healthy, eat healthy food, but keep it. You know, you only shop at Aldi and you, but you still eat healthy food, and you can still be a glutton because you're obsessed with the food. The problem is your attitude. Your your perception is directed toward the wrong things. And so the seven deadly sins are fundamentally about a misperception of ourselves, of other people, of our relationships, yes. so on and so forth.
1: And and the seven deadly sins encourage us not to say, okay, not to live in fear of sinning, but in striving to be good, striving toward yes. the good, trying to, striving to be like Jesus.
0: It's not about trying to stop sinning. It's about trying to become like Jesus. Which, now that includes st- the cessation of sin obviously. But, but but if you're you're not obsessed with the sin, you become directed toward Jesus. There's a that seems like a nuanced difference but it's enormous the difference between the two.
1: Yes. And because you you realize that that it's not a question of necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but things that are good and things that are even more good or things that are better, things that are best. Um and and it's about or things that I, I want to be careful because I, I know that the mindset. You just
0: said you just said sin is good.
1: I did not say sin is good. <laughs> I I said that there are things we can do that are more good or more bad, and um, we should try to do the things that are more good.
0: More good Yeah, I like it. Well, thanks
1: for listening this week. Uh, next week we're going to dive into talking about sexual lust as we wrap up the seven deadly sins so i'm sure we'll say something controversial or put our feet in our mouths multiple times and um but we thank you for listening
0: and this is joel this is travis and uh we'll see you next week